If you got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Now, while you're turning there, we want to say howdy to the people on camera or the people who's watching this uh, broadcast, the Word Ministry from Providence Worshiping Arts Center that we lovingly call PWAC, meeting on Wednesdays at 7 and Sundays at 7. Why did I, did I say Sunday? Excuse me. Wednesdays at 7 and Fridays at 7. I'm forgiven. I have a real short memory sometimes. Okay, now while we're getting there, speaking of this, okay, and I just want to throw this out. Um, how many of y'all have change in your life? Raise your hand. Going through change? Okay, going through change. I, I, I pulled out my uh, personality profile that I took years ago, DISC finding out what kind of personality you have in your profile so you know who you are and how better to fix your, pro your, 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 your problems that you have and that sort of thing. Well, and part, of my, and part of my profile, one of the things it said about me was that I was the kind of person who, who didn't do well with change. Boy, ain't that a hoot. Imagine that me, the kind of person who doesn't do well with change. Now, with what God is doing in the earth today and what is going to transpire next month and the month after that and in the coming days, uh, Bobby Connor released the word that everything is going to be accelerated now. We're coming into a season of acceleration. Acceleration means change to a large degree. That's the, one of the things that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of change. And so we're going through a lot of changes. And what we want to do is we want to be able to to, to, as, as those changes come, we want to be able to absolutely and totally posture ourselves where we need to be so that the change is a positive force in our life, okay? Individually and as a body. Now, the thing is this, we've talked about, and I need you to comment, I don't need comment now, but I need your phone calls, cards, and letters on, on, on something I'm just going to mention to you. No decision's been made, okay? So, so chill, just chill. But we're talking about increasing the ministry of the word that comes out of this house, okay? And we have considered coming together on like a, a Sunday afternoon with teaching. Not necessarily worship. It's going to be teaching. Perhaps, perhaps having an hour of something that would be like a supernatural and prophetic. You know, that seems to ring a bell with people these days. Well, we have just got mountains and mountains of information and revelation and materials on, on the supernatural, living in it and being a part of it, letting it be who you are. Uh, Harold and Wayne and Natasha have, have went to conferences and so has Janie and I. We just got all this stuff that we need to share. Think about maybe doing like an hour of that and then after that doing an hour of something with, with the fundamentals to it. Okay, Bible fundamentals, foundational teaching. So that, and leaving, leaving Friday night like it is. I mean, I ain't going to mess with Friday night. This is way too good to mess with. And just let God do what he wants to do on Friday. Let it be a night of worship, maybe a little teaching, a lot of ministry, laying hands on ministry, praying for people, and that sort of thing, a lot of spontaneous stuff that we do. You know, we all love Friday night. But maybe, maybe on another day to have 
to offer, and I, I'm going to tell you, we're, we're going we're to do teaching here on subjects and, and things that you probably won't get anywhere else. And so people can travel in. Sunday is usually a free day for most people. So anyway, like I said, we haven't made any decisions, but I need cards, phone calls, emails. You need to put some information in my ear. You need to put information in Jay and Farrell and Daylene's ear. You need to put information in our ears so we'll know what we need to do, okay? Because like I said, changes are coming and we need to be prepared for those things. And a lot of you are homeschoolers and a lot of you study the Word at home and you teach your children the Word at home and that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. And we encourage you to keep that up. But uh, we're coming into a season now where you simply can't have too much of the Word. Okay, you can't have too much of it. It's impossible. So anyway, think about that and um, let us know what you, what you get. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15. I want to talk about it. talk about it now after we get through here tonight we're going to have snacks in the back you're welcome to stay we'd love to have you I want to encourage you also to remember there's our uh, offering stand right back there I see it clearly from where I am and it's beckoning you it's, it's beckoning you. I, I just see the you know I, I see a prophetic vision now at the offering stand it's just reaching out to where you are okay so uh there's our offering stand. Uh, bless it with your tithes and your offerings because, uh, you know, we are in a place here where, um, you know, our expenses are continually going up. And we've got a call on this ministry to go out into neighborhoods and communities and other cities and minister to people. And in order for us to do what the call on our life is and for people to come in here and be blessed, it's going to take revenue. It's going to take funding. And so... So uh, be generous, okay? Follow the, follow the heart of the Lord in your, in, in your spirit, okay? 1 Corinthians 15. Let's begin reading in uh, verse 20. I'm going to be reading from uh, the complete Jewish Bible. It says, But the fact is that Messiah has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a man, also the resurrection of the dead has come through a man. You know, uh, uh, the resurrection is a central theme in the Word. Uh, without, did you know without the resurrection of Christ from the dead, you'd have nothing? If, if he had come one step short of being raised from the dead... There'd be no hope. I mean, just one, if, he'd, if he'd have done everything right and, and, and went into it and never came out, it would, his life would have been nothing. It would have been meaningless. But because he was the righteousness of God and because he was raised from the dead, then we have hope, we have faith, and we have an inheritance that doesn't fade away. We have, we have all we have, we have all the power of the creative God of heaven living inside of us, and nothing is impossible to us. We have that. But did you know, now here's a misconception. We think about Jesus and him being crucified for our sins, and we think about him going into the grave. But you know what we kind of subconsciously, I'd say we, most of us think? You know what we think 
We think that the one who went into the grave was Jesus the God. Jesus God went into the grave. I'm telling you, he was the, he was the God-man. But the word says, a man was crucified and a man was buried and that man, through the power of God, was raised again. Did you know you were saved by a man? Saved by the blood of a man. Now, yes, he was also God. But what made his sacrifice effectual for the salvation of your sins and for your forgiveness and for your cleansing and for your healing, it was a man. He had hair, he had lips, he had blood, he had toenails, he had eyeballs. If you, if, if, if you punched him in the eyeball, it would have hurt him. It would have hurt. I would have said, oh, well, he was God. Yeah, it would have hurt because he was a man. Because sin came into the world by one man, Adam, and so... Death came into the world by Adam, and so by the death of a righteous man, life came to all. That came to us. A man was crucified for our sins. For just as in connection with Adam all die, so in connection with Messiah all will be made alive, but each in his own order. The Messiah is the first fruits, then those who belong to Messiah at the time of his coming, then the culmination. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after having put an end to every rulership, yes, to every authority and power. And somebody says, wait a minute now. I thought that Jesus said in the garden that now is the time that uh, the ruler of the world was kicked out. Yes, it was. Wait a minute, I thought that Jesus, I thought that Jesus won the victory over the devil by coming forth from the grave, resurrected. Yes, he did. But you know what? The accuser of the brethren is still at work today. He's on a short chain, but he's at work today. And the word says that there's coming a time when Jesus hands over the kingdom to God the Father after having put an end to every rulership, yes, to every authority and power. There's coming, an end. I want you to take heart, there's coming, there, there's coming an end to the mischief that the enemy plays in your life every day. There's coming an end to that. Now Jesus has given us authority to wreak havoc in the kingdom of the enemy, in the kingdom of darkness. He's given us authority for that. But there's still this struggle there's still this warfare that's going to go on until, until the culmination comes, until, until the last day, until the moment when Jesus returns. There's going to be this struggle going on, and you are one of the principal players on the side of righteousness and light. I want you to hear me tonight. You are one of the principal players in the struggle and in the war. Because God has so chosen you to be representative of a kingdom 
that he is going to hand over to God the Father. And when he does that, then the end of the rule of all mischief and mayhem, the end of the rule of chaos and madness and evil, the end of all of the stuff that you go through, the end of all that's going to come. And he's chosen you to be a principal player in that. That's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> that's exciting until you discover that T-shirt you're wearing has got a target on it. You know? Saw a movie last night. What was the name of it? I forget. The, um, the Recruit. Anybody ever seen that movie? Anyway, it's about this CIA agent uh, uh, guy who trained CIA agents, and he was a bad guy. And he trained this, this good guy, and uh, the good guy, the good agent, the bad agent, they had this, this confrontation at the end whenever the good CIA agent was trying to thwart the plans of the bad CIA agent, and they were in his warehouse together, and, and he did a real good job of thwarting it, and they ran outside. Well, a SWAT team was waiting on the outside. They were actually coming for the good guy. They didn't know he was the good guy. They thought the good guy was the bad guy, and they thought the bad guy was the good guy. And this is confusing, I know it is, but when the, when the good guy, when the really good guy, when the, when the agent in training came outside, he comes outside and he's greeted by all the SWAT team. Okay, and it's night and they got flashlights and lights and stuff, but they got these, these, um, these guns with these laser things on them. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so he runs out and he sees all these people and he steps over here and he sticks his hands up and he looks down and there's about 10 or 12 of them little red dots right here on his heart. Okay. Now, unbeknownst to the bad guy, he's chasing the good guy. He's several steps behind him. And so he bolts out, and he's out there in front of him, and he doesn't know that the SWAT team came for the other guy. He's thinking the SWAT team came for him. And so he's up here talking to the CIA and the SWAT team, and he begins to confess all of his, uh, his evil that he's done in the CIA and, and, and his... Uh, traitorship I guess you could say and then as he's doing this all of a sudden those those little red dots on the good guy begin to shift to the bad guy over here and he's standing here talking and he looks down and and he sees all these little red dots on him that he's done been targeted and he looks over there at the good guy and he says they came for you didn't they he said, yes, they did. And so you can imagine how it ended. The bad guy got it because he happened to be the one who was targeted. Now, I want you to take heart tonight. You may have a target on the back of your T-shirt today, but there's going to come a moment in time when all that's going to shift, okay? And the devil is going to look down. See, he, the, the cool thing about this is he don't know when Jesus is coming. And he's going to be taken just as much by surprise as you will be. And the cool thing about the moment when Jesus comes is, is that all the, all, the, all the times you've been targeted and all the times you've had to put up with stuff and all the little it's that you've had, all of that stuff, there's coming a moment in time when you're going to be standing there and all of a sudden you ain't got the target on your T-shirt anymore. Guess who's wearing the T-shirt now? Y'all, I, 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 I glory in that. I would gladly exchange my T-shirt today 
but today ain't the day. And you know, there's not a thing I can do about my t-shirt today. For example, I can't just lay down and quit. Do you know why? Because I still got the t-shirt. A lot of y'all at one point or another have made the decision, I'm just so tired of this, God. I am tired of being kicked around. I'm tired of being maligned. I'm tired of having to endure all of the maliciousness of the enemy. I'm tired of being picked on. I think what I'm, I'm just going to quit and sit down and, and, I, I, and uh, it's just going to be easier that way. You know what? It ain't easier that way. Because then what happens, I'm going to tell you the truth, then what happens is this, not only you still got the t-shirt on, the target on it, and the enemy still going, he don't care if you just sit down, he's going to start kicking you and stomping you, and he's just, he wants to pulverize you and just beat you into the ground. So you got two problems on your hands now. The enemy's still going to be at it, and then you got God to deal with. Because see, he's got, you've got a destiny on you, and what he's going to be doing is he's going to be getting you up. So you're going to have one kicking you, and you're going to have one getting you up. Y'all know this is true. Every single one of you, you know this is true. So it's not going to do you any good to try to sit down or to get down or to step aside. It's not going to do you any I'm here to tell you that that's not going to do you any good at all. You know what is going to do you some good? What's going to do you some good is standing your ground. And if you're too weak to stand, I want to make a suggestion to you. There's two things you can do. Number one, you can plead your case before Jesus. That's the first thing you do because he's going to listen. Second thing you can do is you can find somebody in your fellowship that loves you, that trusts you, that don't get tired of your bellyache and your moaning, your groan. You can find somebody that you love and somebody who just just adores you, you can get with them and they can pray for you and encourage you and bless you to get you up or to keep you up. Okay? Now, do you understand that? I'm simply telling you that it's easier to stand there with the target on your t-shirt. You're closer to where God wants you to be with the target on your t-shirt. Why? Because there was a man who went into a grave for you he embraced you. He embraced everything that you are and that you are not. Because you are not a lot of things. He embraced your potential. He embraced your extravagances. But he also embraced your failures and your weaknesses. Your success and the times you fail. He embraced all of that. He saw you coming. He embraced it. See, you were his it. He embraced you. And he went into the grave as fast as he could with you. And he stayed with you in there for three days. And after three days, you and he had had enough of that thing and he came out of there. And when he came out of there, you came out of there too. And you came out of there a victor, whether you know it or not. And see, here's one of the chief tools of the enemy. He wants to take your mind off the resurrection power of Christ and he wants you to put on your puny little self-pity party and think you're nothing. He wants to keep you so occupied with the things you do and the problems you have and the failures that you've accomplished. He wants to keep you so obsessed with the things you don't have and the things you can't do. As long as he can do that, he's got you tied up in knots. You see that? And if you could just realize that when Jesus got up out of the grave with power, that you got up out of the grave with power. 
Now, if the people of God can just get that principle, do you know what can happen? Oh my gosh. If that would happen, and if we would start walking according to the royal rule that's in our life, and we start approaching the enemy with the truth, when he accuses you, you present the truth to him. Oh no, <laughs> I have resurrection power. Oh no, Jesus, the Lord of glory, died for me, and the word says that he's given me delegated authority. No weapon by any means shall prosper against me. Nothing can hurt me. And you start reminding him of what Christ has done for you. And you take the truth and you attack his lie. And if the whole body of Christ began to do that, you know what would happen? He would then begin to shrink. I'm telling you. He would then begin to shrink in his ability and his capacity to do you harm. He would then begin to focus. He would then begin to sense that the end of the age is now coming. And he would begin to focus on the coming of the Lord and worried about, is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be today? Is it going to be next week? He would then begin to kind of worry about things because all of a sudden there'd be a shift in the spiritual climate and in the things we couldn't see. He would begin to sense that something was going on and it wasn't like it was yesterday. See, that's where we got to get to as the body. We need to be militant in how we love each other, but we also need to be militant in how we approach the, the, the onslaught of this enemy and his lies and his accusations in our life. You've got to be militant in that. Now is not the time to pussyfoot around with things. There's so much happening and so much moving. You know what I saw tonight in worship? I saw this vision. How many of y'all uh, uh, have read anything or know anything about quantum physics? Raise your hand. I want to see them. Woo, we've got a lot here. Okay. You're aware that in quantum physics, there are dimensions. Okay, you're aware of that. You start reading the Bible, I think it would be abundantly clear to you that there are dimensions and there are gates and there are openings and, and, and all this kind of stuff. What I saw right over here on the west wall of this building, what I saw was like a, I don't know if I could even describe it, but what I saw, this wall represented the spiritual dimensions, okay? And in this wall, ooh, okay, now I'm trying to describe something I can't describe, okay? Uh, Ezekiel did a good job of it with the wheel in the wheel, but it ain't that good. But what it looked like, you, you've seen these mini blinds and how it can, you can roll them up one way and it'll block out the light and then you can... You can, you can unroll them the other way and a little light comes through. Okay. Now, it was like this wall had invisible mini blinds on it. I mean, you couldn't see them. It was a wall. But as we were worshiping, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw it was as if them invisible mini blinds began to give way to light that was beyond that wall. Okay. And the wall actually started shaking. And, and the lights began to to move and to wiggle and to try to come forth. And it was, it was like the light of God coming through all dimensions of time and space into this realm that we live in. It was, I'm going to tell you, it's the kingdom of light in a real way is beginning to come into the house and into the lives of people. The kingdom of light is beginning to come in and displace the kingdom of darkness. Now that's nothing new to you. 
But I'm telling you, in a real, we're about to experience that. We've read about it in the Bible. We've heard it prophesied about. But I'm telling you, in a real way, this people, you sitting in this place, people watching this TV program, in the Baptist church, in the Methodist church, in the Pentecostal church, in the Messianic church, in the Presbyterian church, in the Catholic church, the body of Christ on the earth is now living in an age where we're actually going to see light invade darkness. We've got to learn how to see the invasion when it starts. We've got to learn how to understand what the signal is. We've got to understand the times in which we live. And when we begin to see the light coming into this realm where we live, on the, on, on the mass of people with targets on the t-shirt, that needs to be a sensation of victory. It needs to be like a battle cry that's heard out of the very bowels of heaven as it echoes down through the earth. We need to understand and see that light as our source of power and hope and freedom. And we need to learn how to access that, use it, and to move in sync with it. You see, there's a lot of stuff we don't know yet. But I simply believe that we're on the forefront of such a gigantic cataclysmic moment when the light of God is going to be seen coming in to His church and into His people. We have mouthed it, we have heard it talk that... Uh, okay. We read in the scripture where it is said, And they which sat in darkness have seen a great light. That is so poetic. Until you begin to realize, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is that saying? What that is saying is that those who sat in darkness, those who were within the realm of of the kingdoms of this earth, those who were being assaulted by the enemy, maligned by his mischief, those who sat in darkness, who couldn't see anything. They couldn't see the hand in front of their face. They couldn't see the person beside them. There was a sense of, of, of aloneness and isolation. At that point in time, those who sat in, in darkness, who had no hope, those who sat in darkness, all of a sudden they seen a great light. What happens if you have ever been in a dark room and all of a sudden, a brilliant light switch, I mean, the lights came on. What happens to your eyes? Oh, you close your eyes. And you start doing this, and you're trying to figure out you know, what to do until your eyes are acclimated to the light, and you can begin to see the walls and the furniture, and if there's people in the room, and you see the chairs, and you see the clothes, and you see the doorknobs, and everything else and also you probably see if depending on where you are you see roaches scatter and rats run all of a sudden because of the presence of the light there's a clarity there's an understanding there's a discernment about your environment and all of a sudden all the dynamics in the room changes well those who sat in darkness have seen a great light and I'm telling you, the time is, we're living, regardless of whether you like to think about it this way, we're living in a dark time. But it's getting lighter. Did you know I, I learned something? Uh, oh, that's amazing. I learned something. We were up at Morningstar, and one of the speakers were giving, um, he was giving some statistics. And I'm just going to assume they're true. Okay? He cited the source he used. But this is what he said. He said that the homosexual agenda in the United States of America has impacted 
the life of every person in the United States, one way or the other. It has, whether we want to admit it or not. But he said, did you know, only 6% of the total population is homosexual. Isn't that amazing? 6%. But what has happened, those 6% sit in such high places of influence that they dominate and they dictate through the sources of media and through politics. They dominate and they send their message out. And by that 6% sending their message out on these spheres of influence that they have, by virtue of that, they have affected the entire population of the United States of America in one way or another. It's a dark time. It's a dark age. But I'm telling you, right now, the darkness is about to have to begin to recede some because the light of the glorious gospel of Christ and the light of His kingdom is about to come through. His power is about to be made manifest and all of the roaches and rats, when the lights hit, you're going to see the roaches and the rats run. That's a good thing, ain't it? It's a good thing. I better, let me, I haven't got to my points yet. Yes, there's unity there. They've come together. They've closed ranks. They have a single purpose. And the, okay, and that's what I was fixing to say. Did you know the church is so absolutely polarized and fragmented and compartmentalized? And the church, this church has agenda, and that church has agenda, and this church has its and that, and 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 they won't come together. But you know what? I, I think. Maybe Hello. Let me get this thing over here so I can read it. I need to move on, y'all. But they're unified, and the church is going to have to become unified if we're going to assault the enemy. Okay, for after having put an end to every rulership, yes, to every authority and power, for he has to rule until he puts all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be done away with will be death, for he hath put in subjection under his feet. But when it says that everything has been subjected. Obviously, the word does not include God, who is himself the one subjecting everything to the Messiah. Now, when everything has been subjected to the Son, then he will subject himself to God, who subjected everything to him, so that God may be everything and everyone. What does all that mean? What that means is there's coming a day when Jesus will have accomplished everything put in his hand to do. He's going to give all the things that he has accomplished to God the Father, And then there's going to be complete order. Complete order. We can't even grasp that principle. Were it otherwise, what would the people accomplish who are immersed on behalf of the dead? Now he goes into a discourse about some things that were going on uh, back in his day and age when people were being baptized for the dead. Nobody really knows what that is exactly. They don't know if people were being baptized over the graves of those that died. They don't know if it means that people were being baptized in the name of some some loved one who was lost, who was never saved. They don't really know if, if they were being baptized for some ancestral worship. We don't know what that means, okay? But there were people being baptized on behalf of the dead. He says this, if the dead 
are not actually raised, why are the people immersed for them? For what matter? We ourselves, why do we keep facing danger hour by hour? Brothers, by the right to be proud, which... Brothers, by the right to be proud, which the Messiah, Yeshua, our Lord, gives me, I solemnly tell you that I die every day. Now, I've said everything I've said tonight to get to this one place, and that is this. Randy's song, the word says, if it is Jesus, it is worth it. If it is Jesus... It is worth it. The song talks about self-sacrifice and understanding and being able to discern what is worth our sacrificing our life, what is worth our sacrificing our agenda, what is it that is worth so much worth our attention to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. What is it, that, what is it that's worth it? If it's Jesus, it's worth it. Paul said that he died daily. Jesus said, whoever follows me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. What does all that mean? I had a conversation with Ken this week and we were kind of on, on a parallel run. We were talking about things and we got to talking one day, one morning about, about what it meant to die. What it meant to die daily. And as we were talking there, the Lord just began, He just began to pour some stuff into me. And this is what the Lord gave me. And I want to share this with you. And this is, this is kind of where we're going to begin to wrap this up. I want you to listen to this. What is it in your life that makes it all worth it? It's Jesus. Jesus makes it all worth it. Now, what if your it is not pleasant? What if your it is not pleasant? You know, our problem is, is we spend a lot of time in our waking moments to deal with things in our life or a principal situation that's not pleasant. Have them, I have them all the time. Mine comes in clusters. And sometimes these unpleasant things are put in our path by a merciful God. A merciful God. And we refuse to let it work death in us that we might experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus every day. Because we put off embracing it and we dodge it and we deny it and we try to get around dealing with it. It could be anything. You know, as I'm sitting here talking to you, you probably, you think, okay, I got this and I got this and I got this. Okay, let, what, are some, what are some it's that we could have? Let me just start a list here and you can just kind of chime in and help me. Some it's that we have. It could be a bad financial situation. It could be what? Relationship. Listen, I firmly believe that's the one area in our, in our life. If we, if we could deal with and come to the place where we could have good relationships with each other, 
Man, the devil be running and screaming down the street. What else? Finances and relationship. What else? Huh? Sickness. What else? What? Change in your environment. Change in your life. Upsetting your daily schedule and your routine. What else? Fear of the unknown. Oh, boy, that's a big one. What else? Maybe dealing with obstinate people. Got any of them in your life? Okay. We don't like to deal with those things, and they're distractions. You know what? I firmly believe this. When we identify the it, if we will do the following, if we, when we see the it coming, if we will absolutely and totally not wait for it to come to us, but if we would get up and we would run to it, and we would embrace it, and we would jump in the grave with it as fast as we can, that means that we could come out of that grave in a reasonably short time, pretty quick because we got the power of Jesus. And when we come out with the power of the resurrection of Jesus, the it would be gone. We wouldn't have to deal with it again. My problem is I don't want to deal with it today, and so tomorrow it comes again. And I don't want to deal with it tomorrow. I find some kind of a diversion. I get around it. I dodge a situation. And lo and behold, I wake up two days later, and there it is again. And we keep having to be confronted with it all the stinking time. And it becomes, you know, it can start to be a, it can be an itty-bitty little thing. And every day you put off dealing with it, it gets bigger. It gets stronger. It begins to play with your mind. It begins to infect other places of your life. It can even infect your wife or your children. It could infect your, your, the capacity to do your job. It could get into your head. You see... We need to learn how to identify it and deal with it in the grave. Because until you get it in the grave, you don't have power over it. It has power over you. And as long as it has power over you, you can forget about fully accomplishing your destiny. You can forget about walking in the, in the greatness of your calling. You can forget about all that stuff because you're going to have your time so occupied with dealing with it till you, it hobbles you and causes you to become less effective and in some cases ineffective. Our problem is dealing with it. Now, you may be a person that people down through your memory, people have tried to tell you what it is in your life. And they've told you the truth, but you wouldn't hear it. You know who will tell you, guys, you know who will tell you what it is in your life faster than anybody else? It's your wife. Or it's your mama. Sometimes it's your wife and your mama. Let me tell you guys, if you get the same thing from your wife and your mama, you better listen. But you may be one of those people who, you know, say, brother, sister, uh, I see this in your life. You know, it's, it's, you need to deal with it. Well, that offends me. Da, 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 da. I have no such thing. Da, 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 da. Living in denial. 
That denial demon, then that, that's two things you've got to deal with. I'm telling you the truth. You know, I've been down this road too many times. I'm tired of going down this road. And I'm sharing with you something that I've learned the hard way. Whatever it is, get it in the grave as fast as you possibly can. Because if you don't, each passing day, it is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's going to take a bigger and bigger hole to put it in. I'm telling you the truth. Why wait until you're 50 years old to deal with something you could have dealt with, you know, when you came into adulthood in your 20s, when you recognized it for the first time. See, the sad thing is a lot of people don't put it in the resurrection grave with Jesus. The problem is they'll take it with them to their grave. And then guess who won? Deal with it, people. Deal with it. In the grave. In the grave. Paul said this, and I really had a hard time for many years trying to comprehend what he said, and I still don't fully comprehend what he said. He said that he wanted to know him and the power of, of his resurrection, being made conformable to his death. He wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death. Now that is one of the largest sentences, one of the largest statements in the scripture. But I'm beginning to understand just a little bit. My first principal experience is going to be knowing Jesus. If I know Jesus, then I can know the power of His resurrection. There is no way that I will ever know the power of His resurrection until I know Him. That's proper order. That's kingdom order. And tonight, if you're lost and you don't know Him, you really don't know who He is, you've got to know Him first. Then you'll experience His power. He does not, he, he does not let people experience His power who does not know Him. Now you may, somebody may feel his power but they won't experience the power there's a difference there's a difference in touching something or something touching you and then experiencing something beyond that touch and that may not make sense to you but it's the honest truth Paul wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection, being made conformable to Jesus' death. Paul understood the principle of the grave and how the resurrection worked. He understood not only did it bring life to him and eternal life, but it also brought victory to him so that he could access that victory that Christ had in the grave over the devil so that Paul could do war against the enemy in this life and win. You see, it's in the grave where you learn all the lessons of redemption, restoration, and victory. It's in the grave where you learn that stuff. You learn it in there. You don't learn it when you get out. You learn it in the grave. Because the person that you go in there as and the person that you come out of there as are two different people. 
We need to learn lessons from the grave. We need to die daily. There's stuff every day you've got to die to. Your list will never exhaust itself. If you ever think you're going to reach perfection in dealing with it, you're wrong because when you deal with this it, in just a little while when the enemy changes his strategy, there's going to be a whole other it coming at you. But you deal with it the same way you dealt with the first it. I'm glad I don't stutter. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless you. And I thank you, Lord, for this, your people. I thank you, Lord, for the power of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the grave. Thank you for the grave. Lord, we thank you for the cross, but we thank you for the grave too. But we thank you for the victory. I ask you, God, to release in this people right now not only a warlike spirit, but the, but the spirit of a, of, a, of a victor. Release to them, Lord, the, the experience of victory every day. I pray, dear God, that they be able to, to walk into Walmart and walk on the streets of Jessup and walk into their homes. And I just pray, dear God, that because the light is now beginning to invade their consciousness and because you're doing this tremendous thing in the earth and you're, you're just coming into the kingdom of darkness and you're changing things, I pray, dear God, that my brothers and sisters would be able to change the environment they live in simply by their presence. I pray, dear God, that you put a spirit in them, that you give them an anointing that would be determined and steadfast, that would not shrink or pull back in the face of the enemy. I pray, dear God, their discernment be sharpened. I pray, dear God, they be able to recognize who he is that comes against them every day. And I pray, dear God, they be able to access the tools they need to put him in the grave and for him to die in the grave so they can be victorious. I ask you, dear God, that we become so proficient at this that the hordes of, of hell, whenever all the, the devil sends all of his imps after us, that after a while it gets to the place where none wants to come around us, none wants to assault us, none wants to manifest their self, none wants to get around us because we've always got a grave nearby. Hey, that's something else to put on a t-shirt. Ain't always got a grave nearby. Well, that girl comment. So God, I ask you in Jesus' name to release this now in this house. No more will we fall prey and ignorantly back down from the enemy and, and, and step away from what you have for us. No more. We will gallantly go forward. Give us revelation, dear God. Speak to us through your word and your spirit. Speak to us, God, through your prophets and your apostles, your evangelists, your pastors and teachers. Speak to us, O oh God, out of the bowels of the fellowship, the, the, the word of God, and, and allow the life of God to course through our veins. Create in us, O oh God. Make us be a, a, a different people, a different camp, with a different attitude, with, with the way of the Lord as our guideline. Teach us your ways, God. We've been to school, but teach us your ways. And loose this people, unleash this people on the kingdom of darkness that they would be an invading horde unified by the blood of Jesus and the power of their testimony because that's where we get victory. Loose this people on the kingdom of darkness. Allow this people as they carry their light into the darkness to dispel that kingdom so that we would hasten the day when Jesus would just reach down. He'd scoop it all up and he'd hand it to the Father. Oh God, usher in those days now. We want to live that way now, not tomorrow, now. Open our minds to, 
to, to new, new revelation, dear God. Not something that we would make up or something that we heard from somebody that was cute. But give us real revelation, God, on your word and how to behave as children of the Most High God. Jesus' name, so be it. Amen.